As we grew up, our parents obviously worked with us, but our mom was especially important. I think of all the different things that my mom did for me. She taught me about anticipation. You just wait till your father gets home. Yeah. She taught me about a challenge. She used to say, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? I went, oh, my goodness. She taught me about logic. Let's put it down here. Yeah. If you fall out of that swing and break your neck, you're not going to get to go to the store with me. Think about that one for a while. Mom always had these different ideas. Uh, a lot of different thoughts on it, but I, I think my favorite story about uh, moms and, and the issue uh, was someone shared this with me. I could see my daughter saying the exact same thing. He was a grandfather who was playing with his daughter and just the night before, they'd been talking to her about childbearing and the process that was involved in childbearing. And she was thinking about it, and mom had talked to her, you know, it's painful, but there's wonderful results. And she turned to her grandfather, and she said, you know, I've decided I'm not going to have children, Grandpa. She said, it hurts too bad. So being a grandfather, he thought, well, I'll try and give her some great wisdom here. And so these are the words that he shared. They said, you know, if your mother felt that way, you would not be here. And if your grandmother felt that way, your mom wouldn't be here. She turned and looked at me and she said, what do you know? You're a man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. When we talk about moms, the difficulty is, is I'm a guy up here talking about mothers. So later on, I'm going to have an opportunity for you to hear from some moms themselves. And they'll share with us a bit about how they have been involved in guiding their children and some of the principles they've learned and how perhaps you can put them into place yourself if you're raising some right now. Uh, a main verse I want us to get today, because I think it's one that can be placed into our mind and our hearts, that can make a huge difference in how we respond one to another. And the verse is an, an awkward verse. It's one that's always been awkward for me, especially as a guy. And here's the verse. It's this. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Okay, say that with me. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Okay, now go ahead. No, no, no. no. It's, just, it's kind of like you look at that and go, must have been a cultural thing. Got to be a cultural thing. Can't possibly be something that applies to me. Um, I think that verse is an illustration of a mother's love and response to us and it's laid out in that term holy kiss as i break down everything and i work with my wife and i think of my mom and all those involved in that i find myself saying there are two primary things in relationship to life itself and that's this faith is the goal of life faith is the goal of life for all my children the thing i wanted desperately to see in their lives was that they might experience faith faith in recognition of who God is, in recognition of what God could do in their life. And then in the midst of that, love is always the guide to that faith experience, to that faith expectations, that faith interaction that we want them to have. You see, faith is what we want to see established in the lives of our children. Love leads us in how to make that happen. Love leads us in how to make that happen. And all this takes place in a house that becomes 
a home. So see, Jeremiah over here sold us, got us involved and brought us to the place. We were able to buy our house. But it didn't become a home until my wife moved in and began to establish how faith was to be expressed within this establishment. And the house became a home, a haven, a place that people wanted to come to to experience faith and love. We want to go to their home. Turns my grandkids, it's, we want to go to grandma's house. It's never grandpa. What's with that? <laughs> we want to go to grandma's house. And that's just constant. When do we get to go? We have a setup that my wife put together in our place where we have the three grandkids here. Each one of them get to come alone. So each one get to have their time with grandma. (laughs) And grandpa feeds them the food from McDonald's. (laughs) If grandma doesn't make anything. A house becomes a home. A home is where you learn how to love. A house is where you learn how to live. A home is where you learn how to love. A house is where you learn how to live. See, dads are mostly about how to live. The primary calling that's always been in my life is to set up the borders, draw the lines of truth, and help to establish the the minimum standards for living in our house. If you want to live here, here are the standards. It's my job. I set that up. I understood it, shared it, made sure it took place. When dad comes home, you will be straightened out. That was kind of the setup for mom. We build the concrete aspects of the house. We lay out the law. We set the true standards for living a life. My father-in-law put it this way. He had a great line. It was always the same thing. And as we did his memorial here a few weeks ago, his, his son shared and he said, yeah, dad always said, A simple sentence that we always knew. And he said this, do the right thing. Do the right thing. He said it was ingrained in us. Do the right thing. That's the basic standard. That's what fathers do. That's the intentional there. They tend to focus more on building a house to live out our faith in. They provide a roof over your head. Moms, though... Their primary calling seems to be how to set the faith standards for loving life. For not just living a life, but for loving the life that you live. They establish a home. They teach us how how to live, not just exist. How faith comes into place in everyday interactions. They paint the rooms like self-image and values. And developing the heart and the spirit. They set the stage for establishing character and building confidence. And if you look closely, you'll always see mom directing the rehearsals of life. Always preparing their children to interact with that which is to come. They build a home filled with faith. They tend to bring depth and dimension To relationships. They encourage sensitivity to hurts. 
to learn to acknowledge wrongs and point out intimidation. Those are the colors of faith. Those are the colors of faith. They're the what fors. Because of this, I think it's moms who understand when we use that term, greet one another with a holy kiss. They know what you're talking about. Guys tend to go, well, how about a holy handshake? Isn't that true? We struggle sometimes with hugs. It's like, okay. That's about as far as I can go. Okay, this side. Oh. You know, it says, oh, give me a big hug. Okay. Are we done? You know, there's, it, that's, that's a struggle, guys. Have holy kiss. We get kissed. We don't get the holy thing. We struggle with that. Our culture struggles with that. We don't understand a home. We get the house. You see, mom's calling by God is to help us understand this issue of home. Greet one another with a holy kiss. That visual illustration of uncompromised faith. So today we want to honor moms as we recognize their uncompromised faith that they tend to display as they teach us how to build a home, not just a house. A dwelling where people live comfortably is a house. A dwelling where people love extravagantly is a home. Is a home. If you're building a house, there are minimum standards you have to follow. We already know that, right? Otherwise, you're not allowed to move in. But when you're building a home, as opposed to a house, there are also minimum standards for building a home. Many women intuitively understand it. Some don't. I want to help both our men and women today as we talk about what are the minimum standards of building a home. And basically this, faith must be expressed as the goal. Faith must be expressed as the goal. And then secondly, love, love is to be our guide. Okay, so we establish faith, we express faith, that's our goal. But love is the guide that leads us to that place. That's the reason we're willing and able to experience that wonderful thing we call faith. Something that we didn't recognize at first. We looked forward to it coming and it happened. We went, wow, it worked. Wow, it happened. She was right. All guys, I want you to say these three words. She was right. Yeah, isn't that great? I know it's hard to get out, but you can... She was right. I go, yeah, I didn't get it. So faith is your goal. This is the holy part of the kiss, establishing our faith. In 2 Timothy, Paul expressly says it this way in relationship to Timothy. He says, I have been reminded of your sincere what? Faith, which first lived in your grandmother and then in your mother. And I'm persuaded of this. Now it lives in you. For this reason, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Real faith. 
sincere faith. The word here is uh, without hypocrisy faith. It's transparent. It's obvious. It's clear. It's understandable faith. It lived in you. It wasn't perfect, but it was used. You have a used faith on a regular basis. It says, I was persuaded. Come alongside. Parakletos is the word here. In John 16, Jesus uses to refer to the Holy Spirit. He says, your mom and your grandmother came alongside and help you understand how to express and establish this faith in your life. They remind you of the faith needed to make life work, not just exist. Fan into flame this gift is the term he starts. You've got a special gift. The decision here, he's saying, you're making the decision as you fan into flame, the decision to reject self-indulgence and to embrace self-discipline, just like your who? Mom. That's the epitome of mom. She was there every time. Week after week, month after month, year after year. There was never any question about whether my mom was going to continue to be my mom. Or whether she was going to continue to support me. She was always disciplined in that arena. And she always responded in that arena. This gift that God has given you. God didn't give you a gift of timidity. Bashfulness. But a gift of of power. Full of sacrificial love. Full of discipline and faith. Those of you who haven't become mom yet. I remember this, this particular quote that I came upon here recently. And it said it was, it was a mom. And I've heard this so many times. She was talking to her friend. And she said, you remember before I was married, I had three theories about raising children. She said, now I have three children and no theories. It happens by faith, folks. It's a faith-filled episode of, whoa, I wonder what's going to happen next. How am I going to deal with it? What is God going to do in the midst of this situation? And we call our children into this and say, I wonder how God's going to do this. Let's watch and see how he's going to provide us with the finances we need to accomplish this. The reason I'm giving this to the church is because we want to see God as our partner and we want to recognize what he's doing in our lives. So let's watch and see how this will take place. The reason the situation is happening in this relationship with this person and you respond in this way is because you recognize this is the right thing to do. And this is the way to handle it. Let's watch and see how God brings this together. You see, Mom, establishing this faith premise constantly, encouraging, directing. My wife uses Facebook and Uvers and all this stuff. I mean, she's like, wow, how do you do this thing? How do you do it? Uvers is it's actually a holy Bible. It's called Uversion. You know? And I go, how do you come up with this stuff? Where did you get this creative gene? I don't seem to have it. So I steal from her on a regular basis, and it works. Power, discipline, and self. Power, self-discipline, and love. Blew that one, okay. Power, self-discipline, and love. 
That's the gift. You see, you've got to fan it into flame. And you fan it into flame, it says, with those three things. With power, with self-discipline, and with love. Proverbs says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't walk away from it. In the way he should go, or the way she should go. It doesn't say the way you think he should go. It says the way he should go. It's the power of faith recognizing the gift within that God has placed in each one of us. And mothers tend to have this special ability to look in and discern what the gift is. Dads tend to look at them and think of what they want you to be so you can fulfill the needs in our own life that we were unable to fulfill. So if I always wanted to be fill in the blank, oh, if I couldn't be, I'll make my son that or my daughter that, whatever it may be. And that's a mistake. That's the mistake that fathers often bring into the structure. But moms tend to look at them and say, you know, this is who they are. This is who they are. Don't you see that? I'm looking, I'm going, no, I don't see it. Look deeper, Obi-Wan. I said, I don't get it. I don't get it. My wife says, you will have faith. See, mothers see this spiritual part of our children and seek to help them discover who they are. Not just tell them, but help them to discover this is their home. This is where they're to discover this. This is how this is all supposed to be put together. Train them up in their part. I think of Moses. Moses' very name comes from a mother who seemed to recognize what was going to happen. The word Moses means to draw out. And he would be the one who, first of all, would be drawn out of the Nile River to be brought up as Pharaoh's son. But then later, 40 years or so later, he would come back to Egypt and he would draw out the children of Israel and lead them to the promised land. He was called to draw them out. His mom understood it had related to him in some way or manner, but he couldn't quite get it because the faith hadn't been fully established until the time in which God calls him out of the burning bush some 40, 50 years after he first thought it was time to do it. It's time for me to call out the people of Israel. I'm going to take it on, knocking this guy out. Oops, he died. Sorry about that. That's okay. I'm going to lead you all out of here. Who do you think you are, murderer? But, but I'm called to bring you guys out. I'm, get out of here. But mom's faith continued on. And one day, the fulfillment took place. Two ideas of, of power. The first idea here when it talks about this is to create a thirst. So when it says recognize who your son is, when you recognize that, you help him to create a thirst to become the person that God has called him or her to be. You provide the necessary implements to stimulate that faith area and for them to begin to understand it. Those who are, it's really easy for people that are gifted musically to me. I watched them up here, whether it be Pete or some others, and, and as, as they grew up, their parents recognized, my goodness. See, most of these guys don't just play one instrument. I think of Cash. Play multiple instruments. They play, oh yeah, we, we do guitar and we do keyboard and we do, I go, is there anything you can't play? Probably not. Huh. 
you have a calling. When did you discover that? Well, my mom, she was kind of, she didn't really want me to do that, but she just said, you know, I seem to have this ability. There's a power there that has to be called out to create a thirst. And then the second idea here is uh, within Tramp a Child, it means to put a bit into their mouth. It's a picture of a horse that a bit was forced to be put in their mouth so you could lead them in the direction they need to go in. This sense of of discipline, self-discipline. See, sometimes it's not enough to show them. Sometimes you have to make them do what they should do. I like Hebrews where it says, the Lord disciplines those he loves. So do moms. So do moms. The Lord disciplines those he loves. You don't have to wait for dad to come home. You know, we always have the joke, wait till your dad gets home. My mom usually took care of the discipline way before dad ever got home. Dad was like the enforcer, the ultimate. Didn't want to have that happen. Take take care of it now. And mom understood that. She just used dad as a threat. This is the yes, you will do that discipline. I'm not going to do that. Yes, you will do that. Okay. You see why these five foot, one inch, 110 pound moms look up to these six foot, seven inch, 320 pound guys and they do whatever she tells them to do. What's going on? God has given them an innate awareness, an innate awareness of who they are and what God has called them to do. Discipline always pays off. Tom Landry, he was the coach of the Dallas Cowboys for a long time, did a great job in guiding these men. And I want to give you his quote. He said this, the most difficult job that I have is to get these men to do what they really don't want to do to achieve what they really want to achieve. Setting a goal is not the main thing. It's deciding how you'll go about achieving that goal and then staying with that plan. Faith, bring it into reality. That's what faith is. It's starting with a plan and saying, I believe if I continue in this way, this will happen. And moms teaches that aspect of faith. They want their children to be set apart with faith. And that's a tough job. Set apart power. Sit down discipline. And then what moms always seem to have, this remarkable, remarkable, set forever love, unconditional love. Uh, Ruth said it. She said, where I go, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. We're all in this together. I'm not going anywhere. Regardless of what you do, I will be beside you. Regardless of what happens, I will continue to work with you. I know in this day and age we have a thing we call codependency. I want to respond to this for a moment. Because I think it's gotten ridiculous. Okay? It's gotten out of line. You are called to love your children, to love your husband, to love your wife, unconditionally. And God said, when you do that, then I will enter into the midst of this and I will bring about great things. But your calling is to love them unconditionally. Quit getting worried about codependency. Don't worry about that. Love them unconditionally. You'll know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. You'll know where faith comes into play and where you need to say, that's your job, not mine. 
Enough said along that end. There was a recent Newsweek article, and it's one of the reasons I mentioned this. Over 60% of mothers presently who have children over the age of three work outside the home. Over 60%. Understandably. Over here, probably in this area, it's probably closer to 80%. Because of the necessity of bringing enough income in to allow us to have a house, much less to build a home. The problem is daycare is inadequate at best, and often it's simply unacceptable. I'm not talking about our preschool. We have a great one. (laughs) But I want you to know something about our preschool. It's part-time. It never intends to fulfill the full-time calling of a mom. It's part-time. It's providing a break, providing some help so mom can use some other skills that she has to develop some income or whatever it needs. But that's the intention of it. It's not intended to fulfill the calling of moms. Okay? The issue is, as we look at these kids today, it's simple. They desperately need their mom. God intended that. God intended that. Now, let me give you a quick illustration. I still remember the day I was... my. Wife, it happens all the time, actually. She was sitting down, and she's reading a book. In this case, it was to David, my son, who is much older now. He was younger then. Okay, and so they're sitting down, and they're reading this book, and she's reading. And, and I walked by, and I thought, hey, I want to be part of this moment. So I sat down next to him, and David turned and looked at me. I said, I just want to listen to your mom read. He turned to me, and he said, get your own mom. Man, it scarred me to this day. Get your own mom. Who do you think brought her here to begin with? I didn't say that. I just shut up, got up and walked away. And he took back to mom and listened intently to everything she was reading to him. I'm going, so much for that. So much... Children desperately need and want their moms. We recognize this by faith and by God's directive. But that conclusion is one that our society struggles with. So the remedy in this Newsweek article, you can guess what it was. We need to pay daycare workers more. That was the conclusion. We need to pay daycare workers more so they'll take better care of the kids. Folks, That is just downright stupid. That's one of the dumbest conclusions I've ever seen. It was obviously written by somebody who doesn't have a child or is in deep guilt over the fact that they're not being a mother to their child. Who does that go there? The idea, I'm just moving right along, that perhaps, that perhaps mom and dad or grandma and grandpa need to sacrifice a bit more seems to be absent. Let me tell you my answer to that one. Either dad or mom or grandma or grandpa need to sacrifice some more. Figure out a way to make it happen. Live by faith. Watch God do something. He's done it in our life over and over and over again. He'll do it in yours, but you've got to establish it by faith. 
as your wife desperately wants you to, and you're saying, no, honey, you're going to have to work. You're just going to have to. No, she doesn't. You're just going to have to live by faith and watch God do some remarkable things. And you'll miss out on them if you choose not to. Faith expressed through love, a holy kiss. So we asked ourselves these questions when we're raising our children. These are really the two questions. I'm, it's kind of my mantra over and over and over and over again. Is faith the number one goal in my life? Is faith the number one goal in my life? Is my way of life expressing that faith is the number one goal in my life? That we need to find it and establish it as number one in my life and is number one in my children's life. That faith is expressed in holiness. We're called to be holy, set apart. The term holy doesn't mean, oh, something otherworldly. It doesn't mean something in another spirit. It means set apart by God, a holy faith. Does my faith stimulate my children to follow their God or their rights? Does my faith... Stimulate my children to follow their God, to follow their God, or to follow their rights. You see, it's the spirit of power and self-discipline and love. Faith expressions. And you put those three elements into play, and there's a sense of security that takes place within the child, and it causes them to say, that's my mom. Get your own. That's my mom. She'll always be here. She's always there for me. She's my mom. Well, we're not going to be able to do as much today as I wanted to, but we're going to do something else special before we close up our time together. First of all, the famous entrepreneur, Forrest Gump. His mother once said, life is like a bunch of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. So I want our ushers to come down right now. And I want my three ladies I've talked to earlier to come up here, take a seat. Ushers, want you to pass out a box of candy to all. We have specifics. Moms, hey, grandmoms, and any other women who could be a mom. Okay? So pass them out to all the ladies here. Everybody gets a box of chocolates. I don't care whether you're a mom or not. Okay? Pass them out. What's that? That's a good thought, actually, but they're truffles. Yes, you can open it now. Did you want a truffle or you want that? He wanted another mom, extra grandma here. You can bring that down, you know. There's a little, right here. Okay, just a little lower. Sit on it. There you go. When you sit down, you put on, push that down, and it'll go right down. Just because it's too high. Your weight, when you sit on it, you can push down this button right here, and it'll go all the way down. So you sit down. There you go. No, watch. There you go. You just need a little more heftiness there, girl. You're just too light. 
All right, ladies. And right behind you are some mics. There's one for you. There's one for you, Robin. So, uh, you know, we had some more stuff. I could have gone into the mom thing in the second section of the outline. But what I'd rather do is get a little bit of input from a few of our moms. And we've kind of gone all three age groups you can see here. So we've gone kind of more grandma, mom, and present mom right in the middle of it. Hey, and by the way, Robin's son, um, we just got the notice in the mail. He's uh, graduating from college with his uh, JD. So he's going to be a lawyer now. So. Good job, Mom. She paid dearly for that, I guarantee you. Well, not yet. In more ways than one. She'll continue to pay. But then, as my my one son, my youngest, said to me, he said, you know, Dad, I'm your only hope. I said, what are you talking about? He said, your your two daughters married to a youth pastor and a finance guy, they don't make any money. I said, yeah. He said, your older son, he's really not interested in making any money. So, okay, he said, I'm an economics major, Dad. I will make some serious cash. And I will take care of you. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? He said, nice thought, son. Nice thought. Nice thought. We all have children. Each of you have had children. There are different ages, different setups and styles. So I want to ask you some few simple questions that really aren't that simple. They're fairly uh, difficult, obviously, as, as we talk about exactly what they are. And, you know, the first one is simply about stimulating faith in our children. And I just thought, well, what are some ways that you stimulate faith in your children? So anything that pops your mind, said, you know, this is probably the number one way that I, I find myself trying to stimulate faith in my children. So any of you? Clarissa, go ahead. Um, the thing that comes to my mind is having the little ones right now um, is having showing them to have faith in their uh, earthly father um, because as a young mom with babies and whatnot our tendencies as moms we have that loving and that we know how to do it we know how to make them stop <clears throat> crying we know how to soothe them we know how to comfort them um, and then when dads step in and, you know, they want to help out and they're crying and whatnot, our tendency is just to grab them. I, let me do it. Let me, I know how to do you this. know, I know how to do this. I'll make them stop crying. And I think um, with Michael and I, we, before we even had children, we were noticing it around us, you know, that the mother wasn't allowing um, the dad to at least try or uh-huh. to even, um, you know, it, it takes practice. Mm-hmm. It takes practice, and, you know, you have to learn how to how to soothe the child. And, you know, our mom instinct just jumps in and grabs the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but how are we going to teach our children to have faith in, you know, our father that we can't see um, mm-hmm. when we're not showing them how to have faith in their earthly father? Wow. So. That's insightful. <laughs> wow. Okay, we, we can all go home now. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, for me, yeah. I grew up in an amazing home filled with love, but there was no faith at all. My parents gave us everything. I have an older sister and a younger brother. I'm the middle kid. I guess I'm the middle mom. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so 
right before Mark and I got married, we were both 29. I found the Lord. I was 29. And, you know, so we had the amazing opportunity to raise our children from day one knowing the Lord. And um, for me, it was just a matter of incorporating daily life. Every thread, everything was about faith and prayer and, you know, um, praying before the meals, praying if somebody, if you heard a siren, you know, all those things you, you hear of, but it just became something I wanted to weave in to every part of our day as opposed to a special, now it's time to pray, you know? So that's one thing I would encourage young moms is just make it, model it, do it, and just incorporate it in every part of your life. That's great. Good stuff. Good stuff. I had a rough go of it um, when I became a mom. I was um, 23 and I had three children already. Wow. When I was 28... I became a single mom for nine years. And then I met some crazy man that married me with three teenagers. Wow. Um, I did, for my children, it was immersion. Um, I did what my mother did for me, um, even though there was a lot of uh, not good things going on in our household. We were in church every Sunday. And... I was in Sunday school. I learned all the hymns. I, um, it, it was important that we were there. So that's what I did with my children. They were in nursery as soon as they, they had all their baby shots and, um, and BBS and anything else that I could uh, surround them with. Um, at that time, I was stronger, and I could um, volunteer more and play the piano for their their. Uh, performances, that type of thing. And so we were in churches as, as, um, as much as, as we could. But then, 28, single mom, I had to go to work with three babies at home, three little ones at home. Um, I tried and um, did a fairly good job. <laughs> um, two out of three um, is what I ended up with, two really strong um, older adults now, and one that um, kind of got lost. And um, but I would, I would just um, tell young moms, or even middle moms, middle moms, middle moms <laughs> uh, just to to uh, take your children to church as much as, much as possible. Surround them with Christian people. Um, and that's what goes on in, in our house. Our house, for some reason, the ones that walk in are Christians. And um, it feels good, especially now that I'm, I've gotten a second chance at motherhood. Um, with, um, this time, the Lord gave me a beautiful, beautiful young lady to raise. And I'm so proud of her. Um, but she's... She gets it. Um, not, it was unlike um, my children. Coral gets it. She knows about the Lord. And I think she brings the Lord into our home uh, even more than, than I could, could do by myself. So, That's yeah. great. That's good stuff. So what's just 
any one story or principle you want to share, if you haven't already, this is your last chance that you would share with everybody here and say, well, here's one thing that I would share with you that I think is really important. It's, it's helped me immensely in my life concerning this aspect of, of faith sharing or love expression. For me, um, I turned out a lot like my mom, kind of type A and stressed and passionate. There's some good yeah. things. People, we have yeah. gifts. Amen. But my mom, my mom used to fly off the handle. You know, I can't find the scissors. Where are the scissors? And the drawer would be slamming, and we were all so upset about that. And I found myself, when I caught myself doing that, when my kids were young and I would get upset about something, I stopped right away and said, Mommy is sorry. Do you forgive me? Mm. And we would just pray, and I just told them, I'm human, and I made a mistake. So for them to see that, you know, we're we're not perfect. We never will be, but our love supersedes all that. Amen. 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 That's great. Good job. I'm going to open my candy. When... I've heard so often, you know, you get children and you don't get a manual, you know, on what to do. Well, you're not going to get one because the Lord put every kid together. He knitted them together in your womb. Different. They're different. Just like all you guys are different. So what works for one child doesn't work for the next child. And uh, so I ran across this. Oops. I I had to bring it uh, off of my my board is kind of yellow, um, but it's, it's like somebody put it in a nutshell, and, and I, it's kind of my mantra that I go to, um, and this is the best advice in a nutshell that I could give any mom. Children, give them what they need, not what they want. Love, encouragement, and limitations. Um, I think what works for for me is consistency, is just being consistent um, with the love, consistency with the prayer, Um, and they're not going to get it right away, and just every day having to tell them that the Lord loves them and that we love them, and the consistency, Um, you know, Kobe only being five years old already, um, you know, we're saying his prayers and whatnot, and he already questioned, you know, well, why isn't God listening to me? You know, he's prayed, he's prayed for no bad dreams. You know, he doesn't want to have bad dreams. And um, we had the discussion of, like, you know, it doesn't always come right away. And I'm still having bad dreams, Mom. I don't think God's listening to me, mm. you know. And um, when I heard him say that, of course, it breaks my heart. I don't know that I don't want him to already qu- be questioning it. But, mm-hmm. you know, and... But, you know, through the conversation that we have, that the Lord loves them and, you know, he doesn't work right away, you know, he still prays it every night. You know, Lord, please, you know, only give me uh, good dreams and keep away the bad dreams, you know. Um, so just just staying consistent and knowing that, you know, hoping and praying that they, they will get it and, you know, they will have it in their heart. That's great. Hey, let's give these ladies a hand. Thank you so much. When we talk about motherhood, the difficulty is always in a variety of areas. 
some of you here were unable to have children. And you had this heart and you said, I so much want to have a child. But it seems like God is holding out on me. He just, I just can't have a child. And it breaks your heart. You go, and I just don't know what to do. And what I would say to you is that if God is placing you the desire to have a child, then he's also placed a way for that to happen. I don't know what way it is. There's a lot of different ways other than becoming pregnant and having a child born directly through the normal process, we'd call it. There are a lot of ways, a lot of opportunities God's going to place your way. And you need to look and say, Lord, what is it for me? What is it for me? And he'll speak to you and make it clear. But with that thought, I bring you this. God has called us to love our moms. Bob, come up here for a minute. He's called us to care for them, to minister to them. Yeah, Bob, I'm talking to you. My name is Bob. Yes, your name is Bob. Grab a mic there. When we come to the place in our life where we find... Just grab that mic, yeah. Put it by your lips, either one. They're on. Is it on? on? Yeah, it's on. And when God brings them in our life, he brings them into our life. Sometimes he changes things around as we find ourselves having opportunities to love, really love our moms. To, to, as my son would say, Dad, I'm your last hope. I'm going to take care of you. And sometimes that's exactly what happens. God calls you to take care of your mom. And maybe earlier you didn't do so well, but later on you get a chance. So I want Bob to share his story as we close today. Okay. Well, first off, my mom's 94 and uh, is in a board and care home. And she got put on hospice about six months ago. And most of you know once you're on hospice what that means. But anyway, uh, I think it was April 19th. I was working, hanging some doors. And I got a phone call that I'd better get there. And I got there, and uh, my mom had caught a bad chest cold, and um, she was on her way out. And, uh, oh, boy, how'd this story go? Well, then you called, you called oh, yes. me, you called I some called, others, kind of yeah, crying I called and going, Lee, oh, no, I what's going to happen? Eric, Tony Pekka, I was bawling. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then uh, the hospice nurse later that night said, uh, she probably wasn't going to make it that night, and uh, it was really crying then. And then, um, the, the, yeah, she called me out in the hallway when we came back in. Um, the owner, the hospice nurse, and I were s- standing by my mom's bed, and she had low, low oxygen, so she could hardly keep her eyes open. And all of a sudden, she sat up, and she said, one more time. And we all looked at one another. And uh, and then she said it again and put her finger up. And uh, so anyway, I was driving home that night going, God, one more time. <laughs> and I got it. I guess all the prayers worked because yeah. she's still with me. Be <laughs> good, Boston. Be good. <sighs> So, so what, what are you doing today, Bob? 
I'm going to spoil the hell out of her. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thanks for all your prayers. All right. Good stuff. Yeah. So, man, let's all stand. Boy, we only have so much time. I wish we had more. We could do some other things. But let's just all stand. We're not going to do a song at the closing, guys. We're going to close up here. At the back of the area are the boxes you can put your offering in. Okay? Or you can place in your prayer requests. You may be saying, I'm going to pray for my wife, my mom, whatever it may be. Write that down. Make sure you put it back there. We'll pray for you this week. But the major thing you want to do today is to remind yourself that God has given each of you a mom. And if she's not here, then pray and rejoice over the fact that she's home with the Lord. But if she is here, make sure you contact her, interact with her in some way, and tell her that you love her. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you. You are a God who loves us like a mother. You gave them this intuition, this insight, this creative ability to love us, to give us a kiss that's holy. And we thank you for that. And we ask today that you'll continue your work in their lives, that you'll grant them joy and excitement and anticipation over the fact that maybe we'll finally get it. Let your will be done. Let your blessing fall in each person here. Overwhelm them with their mother's love. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.